Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. If you're lucky, this episode is coming out back to back to the one that came out the time before this one, which means I'm getting back on the bus of reading every day. If you're not lucky, this might take another month because this book fucking sucks. Like, Seriously. It's not the same book as it was when I was a kid. When I was a kid, why the fuck did my parents... You know what? I was probably in my 20s. I was probably in my 19s. I was probably in my 18s. I was, I was probably buying my own books. Like, there's a certain point, way before your parents stop monitoring other shit, where they stop monitoring what books you're buying, unless you're buying fucking porn. They just don't give a fuck. They're just either A, happy you're reading, or B, they don't give a fuck. Either way it goes, you are free to move about the country, which is how some of y'all niggas end up doing anime, some of y'all niggas end up doing Fabio books, some of y'all niggas end up doing uh, The Babysitter's Club, some of y'all niggas end up reading horror books, and then there's niggas like me who read everything. Yes, at some point, Sweet Valley High is going to show up. Trust that. Drug money. Crack cocaine was not on the popular scene in Tracy's neighborhood until the end of that summer of 1986. Yeah, sounds about right. Because Ice Cube said that um, he uh, caught a flight out to uh, St. Louis uh, in like 1986. Yeah, y'all need to check out my summer vacation uh, because he talks about it. But yeah, around that time. And also watch Snowfall because that shit is dope. <sighs> Back to the book. <laughs> A few boys sold marijuana and beer, but cocaine was new, highly addictive, and in more demand. It was also the most profitable. It became an achievement for a girl to have a drug-dealing boyfriend. So, of course, Tracy, at the age of 14 or fucking 15, is going to have a drug-dealing boyfriend. The status, the glamour, and the money were beyond compare for teenagers. Drug dealers in Philly rode Cadillac Eldorados, Ford Bronco Jeeps, Mercedes Benzes, and BMWs. They became the most talked about instead of the athletes, the fighters, and the pretty boys. Drug dealing was the new in thing to do, with dealers making hundreds of thousands of dollars a day. No one knew who was the first to sell drugs in Tracy's part of the city. The word was out that drugs were moving in the Germantown from North and South Philly, where crack cocaine had been popular since as early as 1981. Tracy remained in shock after the police arrested Timmy. She decided to leave boys alone for a while. 
She sat outside on her patio, watching flashy teens drive by in fancy cars with thumping sound systems. Cars drive by with the booming system. Cars drive by. That's all I know from that song. Or, or, or. C to the O to the O to the L to the I to the N to the... I don't know. He says that means just chilling. It's like he spells out like two words, which is a lot. Like, really think about that. Spelling out two words in a song where you only got 16 bars is a lot for listeners that to take in. You don't believe me? Okay, cool. C to the O to the O to the L to the I to the N to the C to the H to the I to the L to the L to the I to the G. That means I'm cooling. I don't even know if that's what the fuck he said. I'm just guessing. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's what he said. If I listen to the song, I'll know it immediately. But right now, can't remember it. Don't give a fuck. I'm too busy. C to the O to the O to the L to the I to the N to the G to the C to the H to the L to the L to the I to the N. That means I'm out of breath. I probably also left out a letter other than the G. I meant to leave out the G because I'm dope. I'm from the streets. Tracy could not help but be curious about them. All of the neighborhood gossip became focused around who's who in the drug world. Victor was one of the primary young sellers in the area, running things under his brother. Bruce's friend Bucky began conducting business, as he liked to call it, for Victor's brother in his area. You know you could just call him Bucky, right? We know who the fuck Buck is. Like, these other niggas, Light Skin and Golden Brown, yeah, you might want to give some explanation to them, but we know who Bucky is. Give this nigga a storyline. Now you just got this nigga off on the block selling drugs for Victor's brother with no other connection. Like, no other clarification. There's no explanation of what he's doing. It's just, you know, he's selling drugs. Still ain't getting no girls. Still cussing him out and talking bad about him. I'm just guessing. I'm just drawing him up a backstory. He's really selling drugs because his mom got injured at work. She worked in the uh, steel plant and um, got into a horrendous accident. And she was only uh, making enough benefits uh, for a part-time person. So when it happened, she wasn't able to pay for her uh, her surgery uh, to repair her shoulder. Because she tore her labrum. And so... Buck saw this happening, and when she was unable to pay for the surgery, her job gave her like 30 days, and it sent her a firing in the mail, like a dismissal letter in the mail, and she just sank. She just went down. You know, depression. So Buck, looking around, realized that he needed to do something to help the family sustain until his mom was able to pick herself up and, you know, get back to life. And so he started selling because Victor was uh, talking about how him and his brother were doing things on the block. So, you know, Buck and Victor went a little bit back. You know, they knew each other a little bit, a little something, a little short something. So Bucky decided that he would ask Victor if he could ask his brother if he could just slang a little bit. Just enough to get back on his feet so his mom would be able to, you know, feel like a person again. Be able to buy some food for the house. Be able to pay for the rent. Things of that nature. And at first, Victor was hesitant because, you know... Bucky was a, a knucklehead. Like, all he cared about was uh, girls and having sex. But then one day, uh, Victor was being chased by the cops because they pulled up on him while he was slanging. And he threw his dope out, the, uh, out of the window of the car. And Bucky picked it up and hid it in the house. And then when Victor came back, Bucky gave him the drugs. And that's how Victor knew that Bucky was down. So he took him into the family and Bucky started selling drugs for Victor's brother. I'm sorry. 
if y'all know the whole history of this whole thing, then you know that that was literally the story of how Ashley met Jaquavis. The part about him throwing the drugs out the window. But I was doing good up until that point. Then I just started veering into nigga land. College basketball was not profitable for Todd Hoops Henson, but the cocaine business was a booming. Hoops Henson. That's his nickname. What up, Hoops? Todd Hoops Henson. Yeah, that's the best you could do, huh? I mean, I know that this is before a crossover or an inside-out dribble or anything like that, but Hoops, that's the only thing you could do for a nigga who plays basketball? Hmm? Call him Hoops? How about Todd Roundball Henson? Huh? How about Todd Net Henson? Huh? How about Todd Sneaker Henson? Huh? Is that is that what we got here? Huh? Get the fuck out of my face. Tracy was attracted to a few of the dealers, regardless of her efforts to leave guys alone. On occasion, her growing curiosity had led her to the playground to learn more about them. As Tracy looked up and down her block, she noticed Bruce walking up towards her house. He wore a light blue Izod tennis shirt with matching shorts. Tracy knew that he and Bucky had broken off. Bruce was not fond of drugs. He walked right up to her steps and sat next to Tracy without a word. What, you just gonna sit here and not say anything? So what's been up, Tracy? Bruce asked as he looked into her hazels glittering in the sunlight. Damn, she's beautiful, he told himself. Obviously, he was still not over her. Nothing. What's up with you? I'm about to go to the Bahamas. Bruce hoped that she would ask more about it. Tracy ignored it. How come you don't hang out with your friend anymore? She asked wickedly. She already knew why. She just wanted to hear Bruce's full explanation. Because Bucky got his own life now. Are you mad at him or something? She pressed, wanting a more precise answer. Did I say I was mad at him? Well, I thought you and Bucky were best friends. Oh, we still cool. We just don't hang out no more. Tracy was guiding Bruce slowly but surely to where she wanted to go with their conversation. To talk about the drug trade. Why not? She asked him. He's got new buddies now. So what does that mean? Look, I don't like his new friends, alright? Bruce finally snapped at her. Although he was glad she was being cordial to him again, he was growing weary of her questions. Well, don't get mad at me for it. Stop asking me about it then. Bruce was giving her the runaround instead of saying what she wanted him to say about drug dealing. A blue Eldorado with white trimming whipped around the corner. Tracy noticed Victor driving with Mark Bates in the passenger seat. Victor had recently turned 18, the same age as Bruce. Tracy would be turning a mere 15 in September, but she looked 18. Get the fuck out of my face. So all of these niggas are now officially statutory raping this girl. And she looked 18. Nigga, really? Why? Man, Victor shouted, yo, Bruce, come here, man. Tracy felt queasy about Victor and Bruce being out in front of her house together. You know where Bucky at, man? Victor asked him. Nah, I don't be with him no more. Yeah, what's up with that, man? You ain't down with this money or something, cuz? Mark interrupted. Bruce never liked Mark. Mark Bates faked being cooler and tougher than what he really was, perpetrating like he was a real somebody. He was nothing to talk about to Bruce. Bruce quizzed him. How much money you getting out of it? Oh, I'm making mine. Yeah, sure you are. Victor knew that Bruce could easily beat Mark in a real confrontation. Bruce may not have been so good at enticing girls, but he was nobody's punk. Victor said, Bruce, if you want to get put down, just get with me, man, and tell Bucky I was looking for him. He then looked over at Tracy and smiled. 
Oh, yeah. Tell my young girl that I said hi. Bruce nodded as Victor's L-Dog sped off, thumping Schooly D's Gucci time. Looking at my Gucci, it's about that time. I don't even know if that's a song that it's connected to, but it should be the song that it's connected to because it's literally Gucci time. And that is the only lyric I know. Looking at my Gucci, it's about that time. Probably after that, it goes into something like for me to bust a fly-ass rhyme. Because the 80s weren't the best rhyme masters. They were just starting off. They were babies. Also, um, before I go any further, really, Omar, calling you out by name on this one, my guy? Really? You made Travis into such a horrible fucking person because he smoked weed. But the drug dealers are the cool ones? So the ones who take the drugs are the problem, but the ones who sell the drugs are fast and furious and free and handsome and all that kind of shit. And the nigga smoked weed. He wasn't doing crack. He wasn't snorting cocaine. He was doing weed. You didn't say anything bad about Timmy when Timmy was doing drugs. That's all. That's all I got. Bruce walked back over to sit with Tracy. What'd he say to you? She asked him excitedly. It was clear to Bruce that she still liked Victor, even though he seldom said anything to her. Nothing, he lied jealously. Tracy begged, come on, tell me. Bruce smiled, what you gonna do for me? Tracy looked at him and frowned. Oh, well, never mind then. And if you're not gonna tell me, you can get off my steps too. Look at you acting like a kid. She is a kid. She's fucking 14. Well, tell me then and I'll do something with you. Tracy smiled seductively. What the fuck? Bruce laughed. You a trip, because I ain't telling you nothing. Please, Brucey, Tracy begged, pulling on his arm. It was just like old times again. Tracy had not changed a bit. You want me bad, huh? Bruce asked her sarcastically. Tracy released him, disgusted. Boy, I don't want you. I'm going in the house. Bruce knew he had gotten her goat. He strolled off with a big smile on his face. And don't come back here no more, Tracy yelled at his back. Bruce continued to smile, and he took her ranting to mean the exact opposite. Seriously, nigga, give it up. Stop. Because, you know, that's from Don't Come Around Here No More. That's, some, you know, some of my black folks may not know that. But that song's kind of dope. It's by uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. You should check it out. Don't watch the video, though. That shit is weird. He did some shit like Alice in Wonderland. It didn't pop didn't pop even though that nigga does look just like the mad hatter tracy bruce is down here patty yelled up the steps the next evening tracy ran down excited about seeing him but she kept her liking for him incognito it was more fun that way when did she start liking him again when did what what didn't i tell you not to come here anymore she asked bruce with a grin she was wearing a red Lecoq sportif sweatsuit with the atrometric hairdo and the gigantic Tracy earrings that Timmy had bought her. She refused to listen to her mother about not wearing them anymore, especially since Timmy had purchased them with what she called dirty money. Tracy argued, unless you just get new dollar bills from the bank, all money is dirty, Mom. Bruce sat on her couch and said, I was around the courts and I thought I might as well stop by. Was it a game around there? Tracy asked him. She joined him on the couch, keeping a space in between them. Yeah, but it's over with now, he answered her. You know dude named Peppy? Tracy frowned. Yeah, I know that punk. Bruce smiled. Dig, I don't like dude either, but he got busted up at the courts, though. By who? Tracy asked, hungry for gossip. Some drug dealing dude named Cash. You know who I'm talking about? 
Uh-uh. I heard about him, though. What'd he look like? Really? This this how we introducing this shit now? At least they're, at least you're introducing again in an authentic way. But still, cut that shit out. He's a cool-looking dude. Tall, brown, and slender. He looked a little like Rudy on the Fat Albert show. Bruce told her with a laugh. Tracy shook her head. No, he don't, she responded. She thought about getting a chance to meet the boy. How you know what he looked like when you said you don't know him? She then turned her attention back to Bruce. Tracy asked him with a smile. So, Bruce... When you gonna buy me something again? She gestured passion with her hazels. Bruce slapped his hand on her knee and whispered, As soon as we make love again. Tracy figured he was serious. You ain't making love to me, she snapped, turned away from him. She wanted to see if Bruce would pursue her. He'll be more excited that way. Why not? He asked, begging already. Because I said you can't, Tracy told him, annoyed by his weakness. Bruce was still slow. What the fuck if I'm going to buy anything then? He snapped in a low tone. Patty was right in the kitchen. Bruce added, You ain't giving me no ass, so what I look like, Santa Claus or some shit to you? Watch your mouth, boy, Tracy said, tickle brown. She chuckled at his radical response. Then she lied. I don't want nothing from you, Bruce. I just wanted to see if you were still stingy. Bruce looked in between Tracy's legs. Look how stingy you are. Nigga, Patty, look. Look, look, nigga, you know how old your daughter is. You know how old Bruce is. Why are you letting an 18-year-old nigga in your house to talk to your 14-year-old daughter? What exactly are we doing here? What kind of parenting is this? What kind of helicopter shit are we doing here? You're right in the kitchen. Throw that nigga out. You let that nigga in. You know what? Hey, Bruce. Hey, hey, nigga, you looking kind of old. How old are you now? Word? Bye, Bruce. Tracy grinned. You nasty. Oh, girl, don't even try it. You know damn well you be giving them panties up. Tracy laughed aloud. Bruce asked, can I get some water? No, you can't have nothing from me. She was hoping that Bruce would keep talking nasty to her. Tracy liked it. Patty came out the kitchen. Is Jason still in front of the house? Tracy responded, annoyed. Yeah, Mom. Patty was in the way. She walked to the front door to see for herself. Bruce figured it was a perfect opportunity to get the upper hand on Tracy. Oh, I can't get nothing to drink, Tracy? He was sure that Patty would hear him. Tracy, get up and get him something. Bruce giggled at his success. Tracy said playfully while bringing him a glass of lemonade, I hate you. Yeah, I know you love me. I don't hardly love you, boy. Bruce chuckled, gulping from the tall blue glass. Well, I'm about to roll, he said, finishing a lemonade. His mother had told him he had to start packing for their trip to the Bahamas. Tracy asked, why are you leaving? Bruce lied, I gotta go see my girlfriend. What girlfriend? None of your business, he answered sharply, walking towards the door. Tracy followed him out of her house, disappointed that he didn't stay longer. She was jealous, thinking he was telling the truth. Don't leave, Bruce, she pleaded. She then whispered, fuck that girl. She looked back towards her brother, who was playing on the lawn with the neighbor, to make sure that he didn't hear her. Bruce felt in charge. He wanted to keep Tracy begging. Nope, I gotta go. Bye-bye, see you later. Buenas noches, don't forget to write. He laughed as he walked down off her block. Tracy retorted, well, don't come back then. Of course, she meant the opposite. Bruce was fun. What? What? How'd this change? Mm -mm. 
okay, I guess the change came about because it's the same way that, you know, kids think. And since she's 14, you know, their emotions can change at the drop of a dime, I guess. I don't bloody know. She looked and noticed a brand new Jeep at the opposite corner. She waited for Bruce to disappear before going to inspect it further. Where are you going, Tracy? Jason asked, tagging along. His friend had been called inside. Nowhere, boy. Get back in front of the house, she told him. Jason remained at her side as Tracy looked the Bronco Jeep over. It was two-toned, black on the top and gold across the bottom. Jason squealed, Deep! This truck is decent! He was four years old. Shut up, boy, Tracy told him, being evil. So you like my Jeep, huh, pretty? Tracy turned and spotted a tall, handsome, brown-skinned teenager wearing white leather shorts and a purple t-shirt. A wide gold chain was wrapped around his neck, and he wore no socks with his Timberland shoes. Ew. Ugh. Mm-mm. That's his foot sweat. That's Them, them shoes smell like swamp. Not swamp ass, because I don't know what that smells like, but swamp. Look. Tracy said, it's kind of nice. Feeling nervous, she seized Jason's hand. Tall and handsome ass, what's your name? Tracy. He leaned up against his Jeep. You live on this block, Tracy? Yeah. My name is Jason, her brother said, reaching out to shake Tall and Handsome's hand. Oh, you a cool little dude, huh? He responded. He picked Jason up, shocking Tracy with his friendliness. She stood there, waiting to be sweet-talked, as he put Jason back down and looked her over. So, Tracy, I got an aunt that lives here, and whenever I'm here to see her, I can stop by and shoot the breeze with you. All right, I live right there, Tracy told him, pointing to her house. What's your name? She finally asked him. Everyone calls me Cash. My name was Ronald three years ago, but hell, you might as well call me Cash now, too. Tracy asked, were you just fighting some boy named Peppy at the playground? Cash nodded with a grin. Yeah, I had to smack dude up a bit, you know. He was talking shit to me like he was hard or something. Tracy liked his sense of authority and his nonchalant attitude. I hate that boy, she told him. Yeah, well, anyway, why don't you give me your number so I can call you when I come back around to see my aunt? I Tracy responded, refreshed by a new boy with a Bronco Jeep. She wrote her number on a business card that... How does nigga get business cards? She wrote her number on a business card that Cash had pulled from his dashboard. Why, why does he have a business card? What does it say? Ronald. Dope. Cash. Drug dealer. Ronald Cash. Ideal dope. Does it have his address on it? Just his telephone number? Is he handed out to the dope fiends? Like, them niggas ain't got phones. Also, though, this is the 80s. Nobody had a phone. You can go to a payphone on any block and call this nigga. I guess that's smart. But how would he get it? Does he have a pager? Does the number go to his house? Were pagers out in 86? I don't fucking know. This is weird. This whole thing is stupid. Yep. Beepers are out. Tracy loved his organization. He gave her a beeper number and a three-digit code before he left, pumping Roxanne Shantae from his booming system. Yo, Cash, we going to pick up that package later on? Asked a short, tan-skinned friend. Here we go, pushing the story along. Nah, man, we ain't got the money together from the last one yet, and I ain't trying to owe no niggas nothing. Cash sat on his apartment couch back in North Philly, counting ones, fives, tens, and twenties. So you busted dude up today, huh, short tan ass? Oh yeah, Ed, cause dude thought I was a sucker. 
Cash still preoccupied with counting money. It'd be some babes up there, Cash? Ed asks. How does Ed get a name? Is is Ed short tan? I'm confused because you never give these niggas names before now. Okay, so Ed must be short tan. That means Ed's going to do something in this story. It'd be some babes up there, Cash? Ed asks. He was watching Black Caesar, starring Fred Williamson on the VCR. Cash said, up in Germantown? Yeah, they got some good looking chicks, cuz. I met this young chumpy named Tracy up there today. I'm sorry I stumbled over that word. It's just so fucking stupid. Do they still call people chumpies in Philly? Please let me know if you're from Philly. I promise not to make fun of you. Do they still call women chumpies? It's just dumb. She live on my aunt's block on Diamond Lane. Mount Airy got some bad bitches too, though. Straight up. Them rich hoes be looking good in a motherfucker. They got any connections running things up there? Yeah, my man Victor Henson and his brother got things rolling. We went to school together in elementary. Victor's people from North Philly. Cash stood to look out the window. Yo, Ed, here come that girl, man. Get the shit. Ed went outside and met her at the corner. The ragged woman spied him nervously. Give me a 20, man. He made the transaction and went back to the apartment. You're dealing drugs outside your fucking house? How fucking stupid are you? You never deal drugs where you live. You, I don't even deal drugs, and I know that from watching The Wire and a ton of other movies. What you do is you find somebody who's either bout it, bout it, route it, route it, or you find somebody who's on drugs, and you take over their spot. As payment, you give them drugs if they're on drugs already. If not, you just pay them a little bit. But you don't deal drugs out your own house. Mm, mm, mm. Cash said, that bitch come like every two days, cuz. Yeah, I know. Ed gave Cash a ruffled $20 bill. Man, she got to get that monkey off her back, he responded, chuckling to himself. Yeah, that's funny, because you're the one who put it there. Hey, man, I'm going to call that young girl up. Fuck it, you know? Cash walked to the phone with the number in his hand and dialed it. Hello? Yeah, is Tracy there? Yeah, what's up? It's Cash. Yeah, well, you know what? That's for young boys, so when I get a babe's number, I'm going to use it when I want to. Yeah, well, I'll see about coming up on Thursday if you really want to ride around and all. Ed interjected while peeping out the window. Yo, Cash, that bugged out bitch is back again. Cash spied out the window, four stories down. Hey, Tracy, I'm going to call you back in a few. He hung up the phone and went back to the window. Hey, man, I'm about to punch this girl in her mouth. They watched a young woman marching up the stairs towards their apartment complex. She was fly, sporting gold and gear. Cash sprinted outside, catching her before she made it inside of the building. I want my shit, she screamed at him. Look, girl, I told you I ain't got it. Well, you know something about it. Why you think I know out of all people? Because you down with Victor and them. What do you got to do with it? You fucking him or some shit? Look, all I know is that I was at the damn party up Haines Street and my $300 are missing. Now, one of y'all know about the shit. Her good looks were beginning to decline from being out in the streets too long. She was 24 years old, still dating young hustlers. I bet you it's Mercedes. Bet you! Cash said, well, you shouldn't have had all that money on you anyway. You knew everybody was damn near drunk in there. I was holding it for my boyfriend. Who's your boyfriend? Sean Matthews. Cash laughed. That dickhead's your boyfriend? Another customer came up and he roared, yo, Ed, come out and get this, man. Ed was watching from the window and came down to make a transaction with an older man. The gray-haired man wobbled in his stance. 
He then walked away, shoving the $20 pack of cocaine inside of his pocket as if it would fly away from him. The young woman who had been arguing with Cash stopped herself to think about things for a second. It's a shame what y'all do to these people, she commented. We ain't doing nothing but business. They taking the drugs themselves. Nobody forcing them, Cash argued. Well, look, I just want to get my money back, she told him, getting back to the matter at hand. Cash quizzed her. Ain't that money your boyfriend had from drug selling? Sean sells drugs too. He a nut, but he's still selling. Look, I don't even know, okay? Cash smiled and said, yeah, you know, you just don't want to say it. So you can't say shit to me about getting paid, because I'm going to try and live it up the best that I can. Cash never did call Tracy back. He had business to take care of. Tracy went school shopping with her family. So how much money are you going to milk for today, her father asked. Well, you haven't been around for a while, so you owe me a lot now. I owe? Dave responded to her sternly. Tracy was referring to him as if he were one of her little boyfriends. Your mother told me about that boyfriend you had, so I think I'm about to start showing up around the house more often. You're getting way out of hand to be living on the edge like that. You're not even 15 yet. Your mama told me that you had a boyfriend who was out there housing shit, so I might come around the house more often. That's the whole reason. I mean, if you wasn't housing shit, I'd never come home. But since you got boys over wild mountain shit, I'ma be around more often like a father should be. Oh, you're not with him anymore? Cool. <coughs> Tracy grimaced. I'm about to be 15, though. Yep, Jason added, holding his mother's hand. Patty still had a few words for her estranged husband. He knew where she stood in the matter. She wanted his ass to stay home or stay away, but he cannot do both. Well, guess what? He's doing both. Literally, he's doing both pretty fucking well. He's done it for four years at the very least, and then some years before that. But, you know, whatever. Dave retorted, girl, jokes and games are over. Now you better start thinking before you get out here in them damn streets. Tracy listened, but she didn't plan to adhere to anything. Where had he been? Who was he to give advice? In fact, I don't know why you need so many new clothes anyway. It seems to me that all this extra stuff is the main reason that you out here running the streets, her father commented. Yeah, that's it. If she was rocking Wrangler, she wouldn't be out there in them streets. If she was rock I don't, I don't know what 80s fashion was. It, it was probably all stupid. But, you know, if she was wearing Levi's, I guess? I don't know. If she was wearing Pro Wings, she wouldn't be out there in them streets. Tracy rolled her eyes. Well, forget it then. I don't need any clothes. Dave grabbed her arm. So you think since I'm not in the house chewing your mother that you can say anything you want to me now? Is that it? Tracy snapped. Wait a minute. Nobody asked you to leave. You wanted to leave us. So don't start acting like you wasn't welcome home. Maybe if you was home more, I would have something else to do, she said as she walked away from him. Jason anxiously threw his hand to his mouth, expecting Tracy to get in trouble. Dave looked at Patty but she was not ready to sympathize with him. If you really want to help her, then you know where your daughter lives, she told him. Patty sat and listened all that night as Dave lectured Tracy about the hot-ass girls he knew when he was a teenager. Patty had been a hot-ass herself, she and her sisters. Nevertheless, despite Dave's efforts, all Tracy could think about was how her father had the audacity to tell her how to live when he had basically walked out on the family. Dave was gone again, talked out, after only an hour of shopping and three hours of lecturing. 
Patty sat on the living room couch with her son after his father walked out on them again. You see that? Now I'm stuck to raise you and Tracy all by myself. And that sister of yours is just too fast for her own good. But you ain't saying nothing. You ain't said a damn thing to her about it. Like, yeah, when dude got arrested, all of a sudden you wanted to be a mom. But up to that point, nah, you could miss me too. So where are we going? Tracy asked Cash, hopping inside of his black and gold Bronco. Cash was going on 19 years old, older than any boy Tracy had dealt with. We just gonna make him older and older, huh? You don't see no problem with this. He pulled off without responding to her. The air conditioner pumped into Tracy's face, and the basement stereo made it feel like she was at a live concert. They whipped down the street doing 40 miles an hour to an unknown destination as Tracy enjoyed the scenery. Cash then stopped at a gas station to fill up while Tracy leaned back in the pasture seat, thinking that she was dreaming. Yet it was real. She was not yet 15, cruising in a brand new Jeep with a young drug dealer. Let me, let me, let me, let me do this real quick. She was 14, cruising in a car with a 19-year-old. So I went ahead and did some research on this shit. And A, y'all motherfuckers is gross. B, motherfuckers used to be much worse. C, who wrote these laws? Like, whoever wrote these laws, they should be getting looked at as well. But the age of consent in Pennsylvania is 16 years of age for sexual consent. Now, right now, not in the 80s. I asked what the age of consent was in Pennsylvania back in 1986. And it said right now, 16. 16, exactly. The age of consent was lowered from 16 to 14 in 1976 and was increased back to 16 in 1995, which means she's literally past the age of consent in Philadelphia in 1986. That's fucking gross. That's troubling as hell. That, oh... Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm done here. Don't want to look no more. <sighs> Cash said, and Cash, you nasty, they all nasty. But ain't never one of y'all gonna go to jail for it because apparently this nigga did his research. Cash said, look, I gotta go pick up this package, and then I got some other stops to make. Tracy nodded. She had been on several car rides before, but a Jeep ride with him was the best. They drove through neighborhoods in Philadelphia that Tracy had never seen before. Outside of Logan, where she had dance classes, Tracy never really had any reason to visit other areas. Germantown was her home. They stopped in the middle of a block, in the heart of North Philly. Cash jumped out and was surrounded by five or six tough-looking friends. Cash money, what's up, man? They looked into the Jeep at Tracy, reminding her of the type of rough-looking guys that her cousins dated in Logan. Cash then walked around the Jeep to let her out. Come on, he demanded, opening the door. Tracy climbed out, feeling terrified. Her father tried to tell her about living in the fast lanes. She looked around, realizing that Cash had every motive in the world to sell drugs. The streets were ripped up and aged, along with the cars and the houses. Down at the opposite side, two girls were fist fighting and trying to nearly kill each other, but the neighbors seemed unconcerned. They were used to the chaos. Cash was showing Tracy off, or sporting her. Come here, I want you to meet my boy Wayne, he said. Wayne looked Tracy over, 
pretty face, honey brown complexion, hazel eye, tall, full of body, asymmetric hair, and glittering with gold. And again, 14. Wayne responded, damn, girl, you got any older sisters? That's a great question. Cash should have asked that too. Matter of fact, all of them should have asked that. Hey, what's your name, Tracy? Hey, Tracy, let me ask you a question real quick. Yeah, what's up? You got any older sisters? Like 16, 17? I'm 16, so that's cool. I'm 19. 17 sounds better than 14 when you're 19. Tracy suspected that Cash was working for Wayne. Wayne looked about 24 and was loosely dressed with Adidas gear, had a neatly trimmed goatee, and was walnut brown like Mercedes. Wayne looked important. Tracy could not help staring at his thick gold nugget bracelet. Then again, her earrings were just as big, shining ostentatiously. And she could sense that the North Philly girls were jealously staring at her. She was taking one of their players. No, I don't have any sisters, she answered Wayne. All I got is a little brother. Cash butted in. Yeah, her brother gonna be alright, Wayne. Little dude ran up and spoke, shook my hand and everything. Oh, these are my partners, Elsie and Trap he told Tracy, introducing two others. They weren't as glamorous or as handsome as Wayne. How y'all doing? Tracy asked politely. Not as fine as you, unfortunately, L.C. said, laughing boisterously. You know, cuz? Unfortunately, he repeated, still chuckling to himself. L.C. was short with a missing tooth, wearing an old Todd One sweatsuit, which was out of fashion at the time. Trap said, dig. Because I'm about to run on up to Germantown to get quite fortunate myself, I must say. Tracy was pleased and tickled by their light-hearted Saturday Night Live attitudes. But she was smart enough to know that they were only friendly because Cash was their boy and she was his young girl. Like, the name in itself is horrible. Young girl. Hey, this is my young girl. How young? 14. Ew. End of story. She followed Cash into his house to meet his young-looking mother and friendly sister. His family was large. Tracy envied that. With three older brothers and four sisters, Cash would always have someone to talk to. So, did you like my family and all? He asked with a smile as they traveled to the next stop in his Jeep. Yeah, I wish I had a big family like that. Cash chuckled and said, I wish I had a crib like yours. Girl, I would have loved to grow up up your way. Why you say that? Cash grimaced as if it should have been obvious. Cuz, it would have been a lot more peaceful compared to the shit I had to go through down north. Down north. Up north. I could see down south. I could see, but down north. Hmm. And the thing that takes me out is how y'all got them fake ass punks in your area. Like that boy Peppy, thinking he tough and shit. That's why I had to smack him around for a second. Cash rolled down the window to catch the night air. The sun was starting to set, and the wind blew in, shaking Tracy's earrings. That feels good, she squealed. Why the fuck? Cash giggled at nothing. What's so funny, she quizzed him. I was thinking about how scared you looked when I told you to get in the Jeep, he alluded. Get out the street, you little knucklehead, Cash screamed out the window to a kid. Tracy chuckled, watching the boy scatter to the sidewalk. They arrived at their second destination, all the way down southwest Philly. There weren't as many people around as on Cash's blocking north. He told Tracy to stay inside the Jeep while he jumped out and ran into a house. Yo, you got that set up for me? He asked an older black man. Yeah. Hey, Sam, give him that package, man. Sam said, what took you so long, young boy? We thought you was going to be here at 
He brought the package out with him from the kitchen. It was a clear sandwich bag with small packages of crack cocaine, all individually wrapped. Cash said, yeah, well, I got this little young girl out in the ride, and she just met my mom and sisters. Yeah. Do they advertise it all the time? Are they proud of it? Like, this is just ick. It's really ick. You got a little young girl in the car, huh? Sam responded, looking out the window at Tracy who was sitting inside the Jeep impatiently. She didn't like the idea of waiting outside a drug house. Damn, she a fine thing, Sam said. He was at least 32 years old and too old to be concerned about the latest fashions. He had on a plain pair of blue jeans and a red Nike t-shirt. How old do you think she is? Cash quizzed him with a smile. What, she likes 17, 18, right? Because I'm assuming she got to be younger than you. You ain't got no game for no old head pussy yet, Sam told him. He laughed and slung an arm around Cash's shoulder. Yeah, I cuz, Cash responded, smirking. But, uh, nah, that girl's only 15 years old, Sam. Matter of fact, she's 14, because her birthday's in two weeks. Wow, slow down. You better watch them babies, Sam told him seriously. I don't want to see my man going to jail and shit or some asses still smell like piss. Didn't understand that one either. Wet behind the ears, ass that smells like piss. Um, maybe they're wiping the wrong way, but you're supposed to wipe. I thought, well, with my daughter, I was told she's supposed to wipe front to back. Um, wet behind the ears, ass that smells like piss, and there was one more. That was one more. They roared laughing like at a Richard Pryor concert. Cash said, nah, Sam, it ain't even like that. She know what time it is. You got to bring him in the right way because these young boys will just waste her potential. And I'm about to blossom this young buck. Cash walked out with the package in a brown paper bag and hid it under his seat. It was the first time that Tracy had been around any crack cocaine. She tried to hold her tongue about it, but it was no use. What if we get stopped by the police, she asked, laughing at camouflage her concern. She was serious and Cash knew it. He rode down another street and turned the corner to park. He then turned the key off and took a deep breath. How you turn the key off? You could turn the car off. You could turn the key. But you can't turn the key off. I mean, unless you tell them that they're ugly and they breath stink. I don't know if keys have feelings. Cash looked Tracy in her hazels and threw down his game. Now I know that you spoiled and all, and that you grew up in a nice neighborhood, but this is the way I stay on top of life. I'm not trying to get you involved in any dumb stuff either. All I do myself is buy it and have it distributed. This is the only time I even touch the stuff. Now I'm going to let you know right now, I like you, but this is how I do things. Now if you can't deal with that, then fuck it. After I drop you off tonight, just don't call me anymore. You called her. He turned the ignition back on and zoomed the Jeep to the next stop, his distribution house. Tracy wasn't afraid of cash like she was of Timmy. She just had some serious thinking to do about the drug trade. She was indirectly involved, but she knew the situation could turn hostile when the money didn't add up right. Yet, she liked the suspense of it, and she loved riding around in his Jeep, but it was getting late. Cash rented inside of the distribution house to organize his workers and kept some product for his buddy Ed. By then, it was 10.35 on a Tuesday night. Cash realized that Tracy had to be home soon, and by the time they had finally made it back to her Germantown block, she had fallen asleep, and it was after 12. Cash howled, Hey, girl, get up! What? Tracy answered, pushing him off her. Her hazels were still shut. Cash hopped out of his Jeep and walked around to the pasture side to carry her out. Dag, what time is it? She said, stretching in his arms. Just go in the house, girl. 
He tossed Tracy down the sidewalk. Her Reeboks hit the pavement with a plop, and she headed for her door. Patty was asleep when Tracy crept into bed, but she knew her daughter had been out later than usual. She figured she would catch her in the morning, or after she got in from work. After cruising for six hours in Cash's Jeep, Tracy had a good sleep that night, straight through to 11 o'clock the next morning. Jason announced, Mommy said you gonna get it when she gets home. He was smiling, leaning over top of her head when she awoke. Shut up and leave me alone. Mommy told you to fix me some cereal when you get up. Well, I ain't up yet. Jason left on her demandingly. Tracy tossed him from her bed, and he landed on his head. Bloom! Ow! I'm gonna tell Mom on you, Tracy! You shouldn't have been playing with me, she screamed at him. She climbed up out of bed to see if her brother was okay. Jason then punched her in the stomach and ran. Tracy smiled and shook her head, tickled by his revenge. Bring, bring. Jason called from the hallway. The telephone, you dummy. Hello? Tracy answered, wiping sleep from her eyes. Yo, it's Bruce. I haven't heard from you in a while. Tracy didn't want to be rude and just hang up on him, but she was in no mood to be hassled that morning. Look, Bruce, I'm about to fix my brother something to eat, so I'll call you back, she told him. Bruce took a while to respond, as if he was thinking about something else to say. Yeah, I right, then, he finally responded to her. Come on, boy, Tracy said to her brother, leading him down the steps and into the kitchen. She expected her mother to be angry at her, but Tracy wasn't that concerned about it. I mean, what can she do to me? Put me on punishment? She pondered. Tracy and Rahim had gossiped all that afternoon about the boys and girls from around their neighborhood, while Jason had his playtime out in the sun. Rahima had been talking about boys more after dealing with Bruce, but she still didn't date any of them. So Tracy told her all of her news, hoping that her neighbor would learn something for when she felt comfortable enough to try another boyfriend. When a quarter after five ticked around, Patty pulled around the corner and parked in front of the house. Here she come, Tracy, Rahima commented with a smile. I can see, girl, Tracy snapped at her nervously. She then got up and walked inside the house to make sure she was not embarrassed outside. She strutted into the kitchen and poured herself some water to calm her nerves, wondering what her mother had in store for her. By the time she had finished, Patty was right behind her. Where the hell was your grown ass last night, Tracy? Patty was taking off her rings. Tracy said, Mom, honest to God, I fell asleep. I didn't know what time it was. She watched her mother set her rings on the kitchen table, as if they were going to fist fight. Patty was still an inch or so taller than her daughter, and she was nearly 20 pounds heavier. Patty grabbed Tracy by her hair, which was all piled up on top of her head. Girl, I'm about to whip your motherfucking ass, she yelled violently. They slammed up against the long kitchen cabinet. Next to the refrigerator, Patty attacked her daughter, smacking her face and flooring her with fists and elbows. Why? Why is this abuse happening? Like, nigga, you let her stay out till midnight when she was 12. Why is it a problem now? I mean, it was always a Tuesday night because the parties were happening on Tuesday nights. They were during the week. They weren't weekend parties. I don't get it. I don't. I mean, I understand being scared that somebody didn't come home when you didn't know what time they were supposed to be there. But did you give her a set time? And where's all this discipline coming from all of a sudden? This is what I really do hate about parents. Y'all wait. Until your kid do something that you don't like. And then all of a sudden you want to start disciplining them. I'm not saying I discipline my kids all the time. But what I'm saying is you 
give your kids freedom. You give your kids a freedom of speech. You give your kids a freedom of action. You give your kids a freedom of everything until they use it against you. And then it's a problem. That's not the way it should work. Tracy hollered with tears rushing down her face, too petrified to try and get away. I'm sorry, mommy. I won't do it again, please. Oh, God, help me. God ain't going to help your ass, girl, Patty roared. She stopped herself, seeing how helpless her daughter was, and took a couple of deep breaths. Tracy slid to the floor, crying hysterically. Take your hot ass upstairs to your room, and you best not come the hell out till it's winter time. Tracy jumped up and sprinted past her mother and got up to her room. She closed her door and jumped onto her bed before Patty got a chance to mumble her last sentence. Jason had walked inside wearing a smile to see what was going on. This ain't nothing to laugh about, Jason, because if you start acting up, you're going to get some of this too, his mother warned him. Her son's smile quickly faded as Patty continued to rant while pacing her living room. If Tracy thinks she's going to do whatever she wants and come home anytime she wants to while out there running around with these damn boys, then I'm going to tear fire to her ass more often. I don't know who she thinks she is, but she ain't old enough to make her own rules and schedules in this house. And when she thinks that she is, then she's going to be hitting that damn door because I'm not losing my mind chasing after her. I already have to go through this shit with your father. What? What? What are we... What are you mad about? What are we really mad about? Like, dig down to the, to the deep, deep center of this conversation. What are you mad about? You gave her freedom. And now you're mad because she has freedom. She told you what happened. Three chapters ago, that would have been just fine. But now that her dad said something, now all of a sudden you got a problem with it? Okay. Y'all are both hypocrites. Jason cringed from his mother's unexpected rage and snuck back outside. Patty walked back to the kitchen and took a seat to slip her rings back on her fingers. I simply refuse to be stepped on, she told herself. By who? Who stepped on you? Point out on the doll where they hurt you, boo-boo. Tracy didn't see Cash for three weeks. She was in no rush to get back out into the fast lanes. She stayed around her house and played with her brother, figuring that she needed a resting period. Patty eased up and let her off punishment once the new school year started. And it was summer? Yeah. What are we doing? It's summer. You really let her go crazy every single summer. I seen it. I seen it. What are we mad about now? Rahima, Carmen, and Jantel weren't home when she called them. She then decided to sit down on her front steps in the cool nighttime breeze, hoping that her neighbors or anyone would decide to come out on her block. No one did. Tracy could hear crickets chirping. It was so quiet. She looked at the stars to amuse herself, thinking about Cash's black and gold Bronco. If she could wish for something, it would be for him to pick her up. Then she laughed at her ridiculousness, remembering how ready her mother was to beat her senseless. A voice seemed to fall off the night air. Hey, pretty. Tracy snapped out of her daze. It was Bruce. What's up? She perked, happy to have his company. Bruce could not stay away from her. You didn't even know she was going to be outside. You're just stalking. Just stalking. Nothing. I was up here, so I figured I'd come talk to you for a while, he told her. They fell silent for the first five minutes. Tracy said, I thought you came up here to talk to me. Bruce chuckled. You know I'm going into the Air Force, right? He turned to look up at Tracy's asymmetric hairdo and those big gold Tracy earrings. She was 15 years old in high school. 
He was 18, headed into the United States Air Force, but Bruce couldn't help being attracted to her. Tracy grunted, uh-uh. She shook her head and looked even prettier to him. Why are you going there? Because college is for them education type people. I'd rather be doing something physical. Tracy glanced up the street at a car that was driving by. She thought that it was Victor, but it wasn't. Bruce said, it's peaceful out here tonight, ain't it? I feel like we on a romantic date or something. Yep, Tracy, we could put a candle right in front of us. Then I'll stare at your pretty eyes and all. Tracy started to giggle. How come you don't sell drugs instead of going to the Air Force, she asked, just for the hell of it. That's the dumbest fucking question I've ever heard in my entire life, and yet it is so accurate and so on point to what a 15-year-old would say. It's literally just... That's mesmerizing. Instead of going to the military, why won't you just sell drugs? Instead of getting a career, why not just sell drugs? I mean, there's... There's market saturation, sis. Like, I don't know. Bruce never commented about the drug trade since the last time she had asked. Oh, you wanted that too, huh? He commented glumly. I see that as an easy way out for people who don't want to work hard. Well, why should life have to be hard work? Because that's the way it is, Tracy. Who says so? I don't fucking know, girl. Tracy laughed at Bruce's temperament before she quizzed him. How come you can't tell me why? Because I don't know why. Shit. What a nigga know in this world? Tell me. Tracy answered with sparkling hazels. Well, if you don't know, then leave things alone and live. She played with her right earring and looked into Bruce's placid face. See, the way I see it, Bruce, is that everybody know these things about life and all, but no one lets them get in the way of living. And that's how it should be, because no one wants to be constantly reminded that the world is dull and boring. Now, I know I'm still young and all, but that's how I see things. Bruce nodded. They sat and talked for hours about the times they had had in the year gone by. Tracy got Bruce to lighten up enough to talk about his life. He was delightful to be with when his mind wasn't on his letdowns and shortcomings. They had good rapport. Her sophomore year, every boy in the hallway was impressed with Tracy's flamboyance and her stunning outfits. She scared off the boys who lacked self-confidence, attracting on little players, and she liked it that way. The first week of school took forever. Tracy wore smashing outfits Monday through Friday, catching all eyes, while the guys whispered, Damn, she fly. One boy got up enough heart to ask, Excuse me, can I walk you home? Tracy turned and spotted a well-dressed, cool-looking, tan-skinned boy surrounded by hungry-looking friends. I'm getting a ride home today, she told him. She wore a black suede skirt with black fishnet stockings and a gold silk blouse. Her usual gold was around her neck, wrists, and fingers, and her earrings dangled from her ears. Tracy's full package glared like a team model strutting down a concrete runway. The boy responded, Oh, don't tell me you got a car, too. No, but my boyfriend's picking me up in his Jeep. The cool boy cracked a charming smile. What's so funny? Tracy asked him. Your boyfriend got a Jeep, huh? He shook his head and added, so everybody wants a drug dealer nowadays. How you know he a drug dealer? Because he got a Jeep and ain't no young niggas riding around in no Jeeps unless they're selling drugs. Who told you that? Everybody know that shit, girl. Where you been at? Everybody don't know it. It's some blacks that don't need to sell drugs to buy a Jeep. My boyfriend's father bought it for him, Tracy lied. At least her heart was in the right place. 
Yeah, right. Don't run that game on me, girl. Save that corny shit for the next slow nigga, because I ain't him. The cool boy strolled to rejoin his admiring friends. He had set Tracy straight, and he knew it. Tracy smirked and rushed to the spot where Cash said he would pick her up. He was running late. He then whipped around the corner, blasting Rakim's song, Eric B for President. Tracy yelled through the heavy bass of the rap song, What took you so long? Cash turned the volume down. Oh, this nut dude tried to get over on Wayne, so we had to smack him up a bit. Tracy leapt in and slung her book bag to the floor. You got to fight a lot? She asked curiously. Nah, just when someone tries some dumb stuff. But don't start getting all worried about that, because I know how you start thinking. So we just going to go to a movie and chill tonight. We got to go to an early show, though, because I got school tomorrow, she told him. Tracy didn't want her mother going crazy again. Yeah, all right. I'll pick you up before 7 and have you back before 10. All right, Tracy agreed. Cash pulled up at the corner of her block just as Rahima was going inside of her house. She saw them kiss goodbye at the corner, and she decided to wait up for Tracy. I thought you said you weren't going with them anymore, she asked her hard-headed neighbor. Mind your business, Rahima, Tracy said in a sing-song fashion. She was too happy to argue. Well, you did say that. So what? I changed my mind. What if your mom finds out? Rahima had heard about Tracy's ass-kicking through her mother. Patty told Beth, and Beth passed it down to Rahima as a warning. Tracy assumed that she knew because of the big smile she displayed. Tracy snapped. Then I'm going to kick your ass, you bitch. Aware that she had unintentionally hit a weak spot with Tracy, Rahima decided to slip inside. I'm not a bitch. I'm just worried about you, she retorted. She slipped into the house before Tracy could get a hold of her. Well, worry about yourself, Tracy hollered at her neighbor's door. She was pissed. Her feelings were hurt. God, I hate that fucking girl, she shouted. She marched inside of her house and said, That bitch gonna mess around and dime on me. Watch. And if I get my ass kicked, then I'm gonna kick her ass. Tracy had cooled out with boys and mischief for a little while. But as they say, a hard head made a soft behind. Her mouth was getting worse as well. Girl always worried about somebody. She continued to rant, worried about what would happen if Rahima started running her mouth. She paced back and forth in her living room. That's why her face is breaking out. She needs a new boyfriend. All she do is sit around and gossip. Little fucking nerd, she need to live her own damn life. First of all, she sound like Mercedes right now. Secondly, yeah, her her mouth is going to get worse as she matures, as she gets older. Because when I was seven, I wasn't saying the shit that I was saying when I was 15. And when I was 15, I damn sure wasn't putting together the combinations I put together at 17. And when I was 17, I wasn't nowhere near as good as I am right the fuck now. So why are we talking about it like she's doing bad, like she's not fucking 15? Like, yeah, dude, her mouth is getting worse, but that's because she fucking started when she was fucking nine. Times are hard and dull for Rahima. The two rebels of life, Mercedes and Tracy, seem to be getting a lot more out of it. Rahima thought back to her childhood years, and she was suddenly able to understand Mercedes' change. Mercedes was a victim. It simply didn't pay to do right in a world where so many enjoyed doing wrong. Rahima did all her homework on time and continued to get straight A's in Cardinal Doherty High School. She was bored and miserable, learning to gossip for enjoyment. She had lost her only boyfriend because of her mistrust and inexperience with the opposite sex. And on top of her misfortunes, a case of teenage acne had slowly began to invade her face. What did obedience to her parents do for her? Rahima felt as if she was being robbed of her teenage experience. 
She felt as if she would have nothing to tell her children except gossip about what everybody else was doing. Her self-esteem was as low as the worms in the mud. She went to the bathroom and looked at herself in the mirror. The image reflected her inside and outside. Her acne pad sat inside the cabinet with a strong smell of alcohol. It was a teenage thing. Everyone would get it. But Rahima only saw the miserable people with it. Mercedes never had no stupid acne, she thought. And Tracy doesn't either. Books and homework no longer had their hold over her. In Rahima's state of depression, the bed seemed a lot more rewarding, and she was beginning to take naps for hours at a time, tormented by her plain Jane lifestyle. She went to her room and got in bed. Beth walked in and clicked on her daughter's light, concerned about her. It was 8.30. Rahima had not left her room. Ra-ra, are you sick or something, honey? Rahima ignored her, playing possum. She didn't feel like talking about it, not to her mother. She put me in this situation in the first place by marrying my mean-ass father, she thought. No, Mom, I just want to rest. Beth placed her hand on Rahima's forehead to see if she was coming down with a fever. Are you sure nothing's wrong with you? I just want to sleep, Mom. Tears slipped from Rahima's face and onto her pillow, revealing her despair. Did something happen at school today? Her mother pressed her. Rahima remained speechless. Well, did you fail a test or something? Honey, please, I'm just here to help you. Rahima felt that her situation was hopeless. She mumbled into her pillow, you can't help me, Mom. Well, what's the problem? Rahima sniffed and wiped her eyes. I hate myself because I'm ugly. I haven't been happy since my sister left. I want to be with her. She's the only one that has a real life in this family, she cried, wiping her watery eyes and sniffing more rapidly. Beth hugged her, attempting to soothe her pain. Honey, this is just a passing phase. It'll go away, she said, referring more to the teenage acne than the reference to Mercedes. Lord knows I don't want to go through that again, she thought. Keith still talked about that damn Mercedes this and that damn Mercedes that. Rahima retorted, I'm tired of hearing that. Tracy didn't start breaking out. She angrily pulled away. They had had teenage acne discussions at least five times before. Rahima put her hands over her face and mumbled, I've done everything that dad tells me to do, and he doesn't even notice me. All he talks about is Mercedes. He always liked her more than me anyway. She didn't do anything he told her, and yet he still talks about when she was here. He never talks about me, and I hate him anyway. I hate him, Mom. She looked her mother in the face with spiteful eyes, as if she hated her too. Then she asked her, Why you marry that man, Mommy? There was nothing Beth could say to soothe her. Why did I marry him, she asked herself. Baby, things will get better, she said. Keith roared down the stairs. Beth, where that damn girl at? Tell her to get down here and wash these damn dishes. He walked to the kitchen to get something to drink. He was just getting in from work. He took out a cool cigarette to calm his nerves from the hype of his laboring job. Beth came down to meet him. I'll do it. Rahim is not feeling too well. Beth had bags around her eyes, appearing thin and frail as if the exuberance and energy of life had been sucked out from her body. She wore droopy, dull clothing, navy blues, charcoal grays, and dark greens. She had married Keith because she thought it was the right thing to do. She was pregnant with his daughter, Mercedes, right out of high school, and even then he had forced his will on her. So she's a victim of sexual assault? And... Nobody did anything to protect her. (sighs) 
Keith asked, well, what's wrong with her? He gulped down a cold Miller and burped. She's having emotional problems. Emotional problems, he exclaimed with a frown. So she about to start up with this dumb shit too, huh? I'ma straighten this one the hell out. Keith put out a cigarette and headed for Rahima's room. Beth asked, now what are you gonna do, Keith? She hurried behind him, forcing herself not to allow him up the steps. The hell's wrong with you, he yelled at her. He shoved her and continued on his way up. Beth pleaded, grabbing his waist. Please, Keith, I beg you, it's not what you think it is. Keith pushed her away to release her hold on him. Beth refused. You're torturing her, she screamed at him. That's her problem. Now, if you have any love left in your heart, then let her rest in peace, please. Rahima jolted from her room and saw her parents struggling on the stairs. She ran back to her room and slammed the door, locking it shut. She then proceeded to trash her room, wishing she had the power to do the same to her father. All her life, she dreamed of having that power. For five minutes, Rahima screamed and hollered how much she hated him. I never understood people trashing their own room. Go trash your brother's room or something. And that's the one thing about higher learning that made me laugh. Well, it wasn't the one thing, I'll be honest. There was a lot of shit in that movie that made me laugh. But one thing that stuck with me was that the white boy, Remy, do it for the nation, Remy. But that white boy, when he got mad and, and trashed somebody's shit, he didn't trash his own shit. He trashed his roommate's shit. And then sat on the bed and stared at him like, what the fuck you gonna do? Keith finally got the message. I mean, I wouldn't do that. That's just straight bullying. But I would do it to a sibling. I'd go trash their shit. Or else, I, I don't know. Like, I ain't trashing my own shit. Breaking shit and toppling over dressers and counters and all that kind of shit. Nah. Nah, I'm good. Keith finally got the message. He turned and walked into his room, locking his door. He paced inside of his room and lit up another cigarette, thinking about how his father had tortured him and his family when he was young. He didn't want to blame himself, yet he realized he was adding, blindly, to a terrible chain of mental cruelty. Nigga, we are 66% of the way through this book, and we're just getting to that epiphany? Rahima made up her mind, in her despair, that she too would have sex, just to see how it felt. But everyone hated her snotty attitude. And she had acne. Those are problems. Tracy had previously joked that sex would clear her acne up. And Rahima was willing to find out if the myth was true. That is such a... Makeup covered her blemishes. With lipstick adding the finishing touches. Rahima pumped herself up to have a positive attitude. The first couple of days of school she pulled it off. She held meaningful conversations with a few more people than she usually had spoken to and specifically with more boys. But no one tried to reproach her about a date until her second week on the prowl. Hi, Rara. You look nice today, a fellow student said inside the hallway. He had bright eyes and rust-colored skin, and he was friendly. Rahima smiled. Oh, how you doing, Darren? Darren had known her since her freshman year and had a crush on her. He was attractive, but not glamorous. Rahima did not count him as a likely prospect. Can I walk you to class, he asked her. Rahima slammed her hard to close locker. If you want to, she answered carelessly. So, what'd you do all summer? Nothing, really. Well, how's your mother? What's he asking my mother for, Rahima thought. She felt guilty about it, but she was annoyed with Darren's small talk. He wouldn't have gotten a second of Mercedes or Tracy's time. He was slow with it, and his conversation was weak. Rahima tried her best to remain cordial when she asked him, Why are you asking my mother? Darren answered shakily, oh, I just figured I'd ask, you know. Rahima smiled and nodded to ease his embarrassment, but she didn't know. 
He's never even met my mother, she told herself. They arrived at her class, and she was relieved when Darren turned to walk away. He felt good about it. He had enjoyed himself. He was grinning as if he had received an award at a banquet. I saw you, D. What'd you say to her? His brown and slender friend asked, walking up on her from behind. Man, I was scared to ask her to the movies, but I'll tell you what. If I could get with her, I'd give her everything I have to give. Rahima turned down several uninteresting offers that day while flirting in the halls. The girls talked about her, expecting her change to be for the worse. Her head was too high. She walked with a glow that she never possessed, and they were jealous. At the SEPTA bus stop, Rahima attracted more eyes than she did previously. The boys sensed that she was presently open for offers. One boy asked, loud and clear, What's your name, Slim? He was light-skinned with a scarred face, as if he were a fist fighter, and he was not from Catholic school. He wore flashy public school gear. Rahima asked, Why you call me Slim? She was attempting to establish her new social ability. The boy was not as well-groomed as Bruce or Darren, but Rahima thought he was more confident and cool. So what if he's not a pretty boy, she told herself. Scarface sat down beside her and responded, Does the shit matter? His friend chuckled. He had always been rash with his words. The boy reminded Rahima of Bruce's friend Bucky. She had never gotten along well with him. Bucky had been able to read all her inconsistencies. Blood rushed to Rahima's face with anxiety. She began to feel inferior and not secure enough to deal with the boy. Her new self-confidence was weakening. Scarface asked, So what's your name? He put his hand on Rahima's knee. She could imagine her father doing something of that sort to her mother some 20 years ago. Rahima? She tried to hide her nervousness with a piece of gum. You got one for me too, right? Scarface didn't look all that bad with a smile on his face. Rahima gave him a stick. So, where you live, he asked, popping the gum into his mouth. Diamond Lane? Yeah, you know some girl named Tracy? Yeah, why, she asked, still craving gossip. Oh, because she thinks she the shit. I've been wanting to take her head off, the cat-eyed-looking bitch. That's a red flag. Rahima giggled, feeling more comfortable. What's your name, she asked him. Chuck. He looked at her long, silky hair and touched it. I like this. It'll be good to run my fingers through. His friends looked at him and laughed again. Rahima smiled off apprehensively. I don't think I want anything to do with him, she told herself. Yet Chuck had established more authority with her than the other boys who had tried her. He asked for her number, but Rahima bashfully asked for his instead. So Chuck wrote it down for her. She arrived home with a certain smugness about her day. She had accomplished something outside of schoolwork for the first time in a long time. It was even enjoyable to go boy shopping. She began to feel some of the excitement that she was sure her older sister and her neighbor had felt. Tracy had turned down Cash's offer to go to the movies. Rahima had busted her groove, or in other words, gotten in the way of her plans. Cash then promised to take her to the Gucci shop in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Nigga, you bet not. He said he was going to buy her some Gucci gear since he had missed her birthday. He gave her all kinds of excuses for a couple weeks before he finally took her on the shopping spree. They left for Atlantic City early on a Saturday morning. Tracy lied to her mother and said that she would be attending Jantel's cross-country track meet. She knew she was pressing her luck, but she surely wasn't going to pass up a chance to go to Atlantic City. When they arrived, Cash counted out $3,000. Tracy pretended that she wasn't looking, but Cash knew that she was. 
The only time she has seen that much money was in the movies. You gonna spend all that on me? She asked with a loose tongue. Nah, my sisters wanted some stuff too. Tracy smiled and said, I know, I was just joking. She felt embarrassed about her hasty comment. Cash grinned at her and responded, no you didn't. You really are greedy like that. No I'm not, she retorted. They walked ahead towards the casinos. It was cloudy along the beach, and the first three casinos they had entered were wrong. Tracy whined, Dag, we gotta walk all the way back there. Why don't you stop complaining so much? I don't feel like walking all the way back there. She dragged her feet like a child, because she is a fucking child. She wore a white Sixers jacket, black Gloria Vanderbilt jeans, and red Reeboks. Fuck it. We going back home, Cash teased. Sight, Cash, I'm only playing God. Cash shook his head. You something else, girl, and you think I'm a sucker, but that's all right. He looked at her and grinned, thinking about leaving her in AC. You lucky I like you, he told her. Why? She asked, confused. Oh, don't worry about it now. Don't worry about what? Nothing, girl. What is he talking about? Tracy thought to herself. They reached the right casino and walked through crowds of gamblers before coming to the Gucci shop. Prices ranged from $25 for keychains and umbrellas on up to the thousands for everything else, including sweaters, jackets, shoes, and outfits. Tracy tried on the sneakers that she wanted. Cash bought them, a pocketbook, and a keychain. He bought himself a $452 sweatsuit, along with the items his sisters wanted. Cash hung around the casinos while he waited for Tracy to use the bathroom. It was a perfect opportunity for him to get away long enough to order a hotel room. Tracy came out the restroom to find the cash was gone. He came walking back with a smile on his face, and Tracy was curious about it. She thought he had snuck off to talk to some other girls who were there. She asked possessively, where'd you go? Cash lied to her. Oh, I tried to get in the casino and do let me play a few games, but um, Tracy, what are we going to do when we go back home? I don't know. Well, let's put all these bags inside the Jeep and walk around. They walked around the casino grounds for another hour, laughing and talking about people. Now and then, Cash would take a peek or two of Tracy's firm behind. He got her to jump on an elevator to ride up to the eighth floor. They got off to snoop around. Cash then stopped, taking out a key in front of room 812. Tracy grinned. Oh, so you got a room, huh? Yeah, I can't let us go home without celebrating, he walked in with a serious face. And it was obvious to Tracy that he wanted something. Come here and sit on my lap, he told her. Tracy did, reluctantly. She didn't like the way the Cash had gone about it. He should have just told me that he was going to get a room, she thought to herself. I don't know why he had to sneak around to do it. He looked at Tracy's lips before he kissed her. Tracy pulled away, disappointed. She wasn't sure if she was up to doing anything with him. She just didn't feel like it. Cash asked her, What you stop for? Tracy sighed without giving him an answer. She thought about lying to Cash and telling him that her time of the month was around. But she doubted if that would work. I might as well just get this over with, she told herself. She got up and went inside the bathroom to begin taking off her clothes. Cash was shocked. No young girl had ever been so bold about it. Tracy figured it was a faster way to get the sexual encounter over with, but Cash felt like she was being exotic. Here we go. She walked over to the bed, butt naked with firm breasts, firm behind and perfectly curved honey brown body, and slipped underneath the covers. Cash took out a three-pack of lubricated lifestyles. Tracy watched him. I'm on the pill, she announced. 
Who put who, who? This is before you could do it without getting the consent to, without consent from your parents, right? So who took her to get on the pill? Who knows she's sexually active? I'm really curious. Like it it has to be her mom, right? So what? All of a sudden, her mom calling her a fast ass and stuff. So, them pills don't stop shit from burning. What? She snapped defensively. Oh, I ain't got nothing. Cash looked at her as if she were crazy. Shit, I don't know you like that, girl. Even young girls burning nowadays. I can't take no more chance with my shit. Because AIDS is killing motherfuckers. And the shit that trips me out is that girls don't be knowing when they burning. You got burned before? What you think? There was a moment of silence. Tracy said, well, I don't have anything. And if you feel like that, then we ain't got to do nothing. Cash retorted, yep, and we ain't got to go back home either. Tracy sighed. Well, come on then, she said, throwing her head back against the pillow. Cash looked back at the pack of lifestyles in his hand. All right, fuck it, he said, throwing them on the dresser. So he pulled out the condoms. She said she's on the pill. Because she wanted to have unprotected sex? Just... He climbed in bed and went for Tracy's breast to stimulate himself. Tracy caressed him and guided him inside of her. Cash was shocked by her actions again. He moved in a fury as Tracy moved her fingers over his back, causing this early explosion. He breathed heavily as he released himself, and it was over too fast for Tracy's comfort. This boy fucks like a rabbit, she thought as she laid there disgusted. Cash was embarrassed. Tracy told him to be calm and try it again, as assured a more experienced one. They lay there a few minutes. Cash then tried to make it last longer by ignoring how good Tracy felt to him. But it didn't work. He erupted a second time in just minutes. Damn, you got some good shit, he roared, amazed and embarrassed at the same time. Tracy laughed and rolled out from under him. I'm going to take a shower, she told him. She giggled to herself while in the shower at how ridiculously quick he was. She ran the soap in between her legs, exciting herself and dreaming of Victor Henson. Victor would have made it last. He knew how to control his body and hers. And Tracy loved the way he whispered in her ear, confirming her pleasure every step of the way. He had never been repetitious or whipped like Timmy had been. He always tried something new. Victor made Tracy feel everything the lovemaking was supposed to feel like. All that was left for him to do was tell her that he loved her. Tracy dried herself to give Cash one more try at pleasing her. She playfully dove back in bed and squeezed his behind, attempting to arouse him again. Just feeling her cool naked body next to his gave Cash a hard-on. They went at it for a third time. Tracy breathed heavy in his ear, rubbing his hips into hers. And finally, it had lasted long enough for her satisfaction. They lay there, exhausted and wrapped into each other's arms until eventually they fell asleep. They awoke at about 7 o'clock that early evening. They redressed to have dinner and returned home before it got too late. They rode in the jeep quietly on the return trip. Cash still felt embarrassed, afraid to ask the younger girl what she was thinking about. He assumed that she was thinking about them. Tracy looked at him and smiled. Hey, Cash? What? How many girls have you had? Don't worry about it. Cash wanted to make him an excuse, but it was nothing that he could say without inflating Tracy's head about her sexuality. She had blown his mind, and most of the respect that she had for him was lost. Tracy hopped out the jeep with her bags at the corner, 
Well, I'll see you whenever, she said. Cash responded blandly. Yeah, alright then. He drove off quickly. Tracy snuck her back into the house, stretched out on her bed and was bored with him. She thought about their experience at Atlantic City and cracked herself up. I gots to tell Carmen about this, she mumbled to herself. Rahima walked to her classes nervously on Monday morning. It was her big day with Chuck. He had convinced her to pay him a visit, and he was waiting for her after school. Rahima walked quietly with him to the bus stop. While on the bus, Chuck threw his arm around her neck. She didn't want to break her promise to him, but she was really unsure about things. You're not even my boyfriend, she wanted to tell him. Nevertheless, she was headed with him to his house. So what you want to do, Chuck asked with a grin as soon as they had arrived. Oh no, Rahima responded, looking away. Chuck walked over and sat next to her on the couch. Rahima jumped up and said, excuse me, but I gotta go to the bathroom. She was lying, nervous as a cow in a meat factory. She sat in an empty chair when she returned. Why you sit over there, Chuck asked. Oh, I just sat down. Why, does it make a difference? Chuck shook his head at her evasiveness. Come here and sit on my lap. Rahima did. Chuck then began to caress her breasts. She hastily grabbed his hands. Don't. What? He responded to her, confused. Rahima asked him innocently, Why you gotta feel all on me? Chuck thought it was agreed upon that they would have sex. He pulled her down by her neck to kiss her, and Rahima could not stop him. They kissed longer than she expected as he caressed her breasts again. She moaned, feeling herself losing control. Chuck unfastened her bra through her shirt. Rahima then grabbed his head and bit into his high-cut hair. <laughs> she must have seen school days. Chuck pulled his head away from her teeth. The fuck are you doing? Rahima was embarrassed at her inexperience. Chuck got up and yanked her hand. Come on, he told her, leading her up the stairs and into his room. Rahima's heart was racing like the wind. She even wondered if Chuck could feel it through her hand. He took off his clothing, standing butt naked and erect as soon as they entered his messy room. And he was quite muscular. He didn't have any scars on his athletically framed body. Rahima turned to avoid staring at him. Chuck came closer to take her clothing off. Rahima stood terrified as she felt this hot, hard organ bumping up against her while he took off her clothes. Chuck then tried to move her to the bed, but Rahima would not allow him. What's wrong? Feeling nauseous, she could no longer take it. She covered her naked, light-skinned body and told him, I don't want to do this. Well, what you come over here for? Rahima sat on the bed, attempting to redress in a hurry. Chuck howled, nah, fuck that shit, you ain't playing with my dick. Really? He grabbed her, pushing her down the bed and plying at her legs. Rahima yelled, no, get off me. Why you come over here and play with me, girl? Chuck asked, holding her arms down. Rahima whined, I'm not, just get off me. She made sure to keep her legs closed. Chuck tried it again to get him open. Rahima screamed, help, somebody. Aw, oh, you's a stupid bitch, he responded nervously. He didn't want a rape charge on his hands while well, it sure the fuck did seem like it a few seconds ago. Rahima rushed to collect her clothing from the floor. She dressed in a hurry and made a break for the front door. Chuck roared, Go ahead and leave, you stupid bitch. I never like your stupid ass anyway. Rahima dashed out of his house and sprinted home in tears, determined not to tell anyone. It's all my fault for going over there in the first place, she mumbled. She made sure she straightened up her face before she made it back to her house. 
She couldn't give her parents any clue about what happened to her. I won't try this mess again, she told herself, glad to have escaped. Rahima went up to her room and sobbed helplessly into her pillow. She can never be like Mercedes or Tracy. It was too late to be like them. She felt too tense about sex or relationships in general. Or maybe Chuck was the wrong person. She could feel new bumps already beginning to form under the makeup. She popped them, no longer caring about the scars they would leave. She washed the makeup off to see how unattractive her beautiful skin had become. Mercedes had not seen a bump on her skin. Life wasn't fair, but Rahima decided to hold on instead of joining the fast-paced streets. She had no other choice. She wasn't prepared to handle it. Hey Tracy, tell me when you threw at your boyfriend because I want to school you. Yeah, right. I'm for real though. I know, but that don't mean I'm going to talk to you. Tracy walked to her class, wearing her Gucci sneakers and carrying her Gucci bag after dismissing another hopeful at school. Well, what do I have to do to attract you? The boy asked, following her. Tracy said, just be yourself. And if I'm not attracted to you now, I never will be. Everyone in G-Town talked about Tracy, but none of them, except for Timmy, had been able to receive her favor. She had dyed her hair honey blonde on top of huge curls. It was long in the back and pointed on the sides. Tracy was the shit, and no one could tell her differently. Cash continued to add something to her overabundant wardrobe each week, like the long leather coat she had received after Thanksgiving. He picked her up from school every day, watching her every move to see if she would try to play him, or in other words, treat him with disrespect. It was inevitable. Cash was giving her everything she wanted, and he was starting to bore her. So what happened in school today, he asked, driving her home in cold December weather. Tracy wore her green leather bomber that Patty had helped her buy. Tracy answered, the usual. She then looked away as if she had no conversation for him. Cash frowned at her. What you think, you special now or something? Tracy smiled, realizing that she was getting under his skin with her better than now attitude. No, she answered him. Cash wasn't satisfied with just that. I don't know about you, girl. He kept his eyes on the road, listening to a Boogie Down Productions tape. Tracy responded too boldly. You got other girls anyway. You don't need me. Cash pulled over and stopped the Jeep. He sat and stared out the window before speaking. Now what are you trying to say, he asked her. I ain't saying nothing. Nah, you acting like you want to call it quits. Did I say that? Look. I'm going to pick you up to talk about this later on because I got some runs to make. Tracy said contentedly, decided not to comment. Cash led her off around the corner from her house. Tracy walked to her steps and spotted Rahima staring out of her window. They still had not been speaking to each other. Tracy ignored her. She walked into her house to clean up the kitchen like Patty had asked her. The kitchen was extra messy after Patty had had a get-together party with friends. Pots, glasses, and plates were everywhere. Tracy had not washed a dish low like that in years. She wasn't too pleased about it either. We need to get this damn dishwasher fixed, she screamed. Where's a good father when you need him? After she had finished with the dishes and returned home with Jason, who had started kindergarten, they sat on the living room couch watching the Transformers. Tracy couldn't help thinking about a few dishes she had accidentally shattered in her hasty rage. Jason said, Tracy, help me get some cereal. No, Jason. Mom's about to come home and fix you some leftovers from last night. I don't want that, he told her on his way to the kitchen. Come on, Tracy, he insisted, pulling at her arm for her to go with him. He gave up on her and went in the kitchen to try and get the cereal by himself. 
Patty entered the door hearing a big crash. She ran into the kitchen behind her daughter and found Jason curled up in a ball on the floor, crying while holding his head with spilled cereal surrounding him. Patty asked, what the hell's going on, Tracy? Jason had a lump on the left side of his forehead. Now what happened, boy? What were you trying to do? I asked her to help me and she ain't do it. Patty looked at her daughter with evil dark eyes. Tracy looked away. I asked you to watch him, girl, and I'm a little tired of your irresponsibility around this damn house. Look at this big knot on his head. Tracy smiled helplessly at her brother's knotted forehead. You think this is a damn joke, don't you? She smacked her daughter in the mouth as Tracy tried to back away. See, Mom, that wasn't even called for, she responded, grabbing her lip. Patty challenged me. When you want to try me, you just let me know. Tracy thought about her mother's challenge. She decided it was too risky. Tracy sat in her room doing homework with a swollen lip. Patty walked in with a bag of broken dishes that she had found hidden inside of the trash. Tracy, mm, what the hell are you trying to pull here? Tracy knew she was caught. There was no way out. Patty said, girl, I'm about to rip your damn neck off. She reached across to smack her daughter again. Tracy was quick enough to duck. That only made Patty angrier. She rushed her daughter to the bed. I'm tired of you, Tracy. You're about ready to get on my last damn nerve. You think you're cute with this hair and the expensive shit you got on, she asked, while strangling her daughter by the collar. No, Tracy whimpered. Mom, you're choking me. Why should I let you up? It was an accident. It ain't no accident that you think everything's a damn joke around here. And the next time something happens, I'm going to be all over you. Tracy wasn't as afraid of Patty as she was the first time. Later that evening, through her front window, Tracy noticed Cash pulling up in his Jeep. She grabbed her coat to go with him. Patty shouted, hearing the door slam, Tracy! Hurry up and get out of here, Tracy told Cash. Patty arrived at the door too late. She'll be waiting for Tracy when she got back home with a can of ass whipping. Damn, what happened to your lip, Cash asked, laughing. Tracy looked in the vanity mirror. My mom hit me. Cash giggled. I remember when my mom used to beat up my sisters, he told her. So where are we going, Tracy asked, ignoring him. Oh, we got to make one stop before we hit the crib. Tracy wanted to ask why they would be going to his crib because she wasn't planning on giving him any. But she decided to hold her tongue for a while. She was happy that she had some money in her pocket, though, just in case he didn't want to take her back home. Once they had arrived at their destination, Tracy hopped out the Bronco. I'm coming with you this time. For what? Cash snapped. He didn't like the idea. Because I'm not going to be sitting out here in the cold looking stupid. Well, I thought you didn't like these drug houses. I don't, she responded, following. Cash knocked. Sam looked out the window before letting him in. Well, look at here. She a beautiful thing, ain't she? Tracy felt disgusted that he was even close to her. She quickly moved away from him. Sam may have been an old pervert. I ain't going to hurt you, he responded to her. What you think I'm the big bad wolf or something? Tracy sneered at him as she walked farther away, inside of the half-empty living room. Cash said, so where my stuff at, man? He pulled out a roll of bills. Sam said, oh, Lou got it, but he got a trick upstairs with him right now. Just wait a few minutes. He should be almost finished with that hoe by now. Sam smiled at Tracy and said, excuse me, young and beautiful, but if you're going to be around the game, then you might as well know how it is. Tracy sat on the couch. She thought about what low life of a woman would fall to the point of giving up her body for cocaine. She played with her nails, taking peeks up the steps. 
Cash and Sam continued to joke around, but she was more interested in the trick they were referring to. She could hear the footsteps upstairs. It's Mercedes. Cash roared, Hey, Lou, hurry up, man. I ain't got all day. Shut up, young boy. Lou shouted back down. Tracy loosened up, still watching the steps. She could see and hear the woman coming down. She stopped to have last words at the top of the staircase. Her voice was deep and raspy, like an older woman. Tracy could see her legs on the steps. Then they met each other's stare, as Cash and Sam noticed the unspoken communication between them. Tracy could not believe her eyes. She blinked at the nightmare. The young woman that she had known had lost at least 15 pounds. She was frail and crooked in her stance. Her long hair looked damaged and oily, and her smooth walnut skin had lost its shine. She walked from the stairs, wearing a dingy leather jacket, and turned her head from Tracy. Tracy was embarrassed beyond words. She looked at the floor, then the walls, and back at the floor again, avoiding further eye contact while holding back her tears of empathy. Finally, she cried, covering up her face to hide her watery eyes. Her expectations had been shattered. Tracy wanted to run home and slam her head into a pillow and wait for the nightmare. But it wasn't a dream. It was real. It's my goddamn life, Tracy. I don't have to answer to nobody. She wiped her stuffed up nose and staggered to the door, staring back at Tracy. But Tracy refused to look at her. Oh, you won't even look at me now, huh? Well, life is hard, girl, and I fucked mine up, so get off my goddamn back. She began to cry herself as she walked out, ashamed to have been discovered by her young friend. A tear dropped from Tracy's right eye and slid through her hands. She wished she could keep her eyes closed forever. She realized her road had to change. I don't like it. I, I don't like it. Like, Mercedes was not on this path at all. She literally had just moved out. So wrong person to make a cautionary tale about my guy. Like, she literally moved out because her father was abusive. It's a fucked up way to go. I don't like it at all, but y'all already know. I don't like the fucking book, so there you have it. 916-633-1537. Wretched and Wretched at gmail.com. Wretched Book Club on Twitter. Wretched Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser. Copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts. And then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know by now that you're